0: your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Thanks so much for joining us for our very first edition of Retirement Matters. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Michael Stewart, who is the founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial with an office in Crystal Lake, Illinois, and you can find us online at crystallaketax.com. Let me tell you a little bit about Michael before we start our first podcast of uh, Retirement Matters. He's got an MBA in finance and is a registered financial consultant, and he co-authored a book, Purpose-Based Investing, Nine Lessons to Rescue Your Retirement from Wall Street, just recently released and is available now on Amazon. And Michael has about two decades of experience as a financial planner. Planner. And Michael, welcome to the uh, first edition of the podcast. I'm excited to dive into lots of helpful financial matters for our listeners, and uh, to dig into just lots of great information over the next many, many months with you.
1: Absolutely, Walter. I look forward to working with you as well.
0: So, tell me a little bit about you know why we're starting this podcast who you're trying to reach, and and why you think this will be helpful for people to tune in each week.
1: Yeah, I'm excited on the podcast side. I see it just as another vehicle in which to essentially educate existing clients and just investors out there that are looking for direction. The media comes at you so many different ways that there's a lot of conflicting advice that you get out there. So, what I hope to do from the podcast aspect of it is to actually just provide some educational material that is tangible and something that people can take away every couple of weeks with something useful and actually apply it to their existing financial
0: situation. It's a great way to put it. And here's how it's going to work if this is the first podcast, of course, that you're listening to of the Retirement Matters. Each week, we're going to cover a recent in the news headline, and then we'll get a question from one of you, one of our uh, listeners, uh, or one. One of the clients or somebody maybe interested in you know personal finance or planning for retirement, that sort of thing. And we'll answer a specific question, and then we'll kind of have a main topic of the day to cover, which in today's case, it's going to be financial resolutions. Now, this first podcast is getting released in February. You've probably already broken all of your other resolutions, so we're going to kind of take the opportunity to step in now and say, why don't you make some new resolutions for the rest of the year? If any of your others have failed, we're going to give you some financial resolutions. That would be why to follow. So that's coming up on today's podcast. But let's start it off, Michael, by talking about some recent things we've spotted in the news. And one thing that we've seen now kind of consistently is the Fed indicates and has now actually made moves to raise interest rates a little bit they did it in december they continue mentioning that it's probably going to continue to happen i want to see what that maybe means for listeners as they kind of look at it from their own personal standpoint what does it mean for your clients for investors in general when these interest rates start ticking up a little bit
1: it's actually very important we've been coming back from having investors at near zero interest rates for nearly a decade. So over the last maybe 18 to 24 months, the Fed's been raising interest rates pretty much about a quarter percent every quarter, and really it still has us under 2%. The implications long-term for that, and we're starting to see it in the markets a little bit, is an uneasiness of not understanding what's going on with your fixed income, kind of your interest-bearing things, as well as how the stock market's going to react to it. The Federal Reserve, by keeping interest rates at near zero, has primarily the last decade pushed everybody into the market more riskier assets because that's the only place you could actually get some return. Now that short-term rates are going up again, some of the concerns out there is how is that going to impact individuals and their market-based investments. So, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. The Federal Reserve is saying that they're going to raise rates another three times a year. They're concerned about inflation, wages, and other things out there, but the stock market's kind of taking a very watchful eye on that as far as what's going to happen in the near term.
0: I know some people think, Michael, that we're going to get that market correction soon. You know, we see little wiggles and wobbles in the market, especially with how high it's been reaching recently. Do you think a major market correction or even a minor one would impact how fast the Fed raises interest rates in the future? Are those things always kind of correlated?
1: There shouldn't be a correlation. If you listen to the Fed and really what their mandate is, there shouldn't be a correlation. The stock market going up or down shouldn't impact what the Federal Reserve's job is to do as far as controlling interest rates. The The Fed is mandated to essentially raise or lower rates based on is the economy heating up? If so, they want to raise rates to kind of keep it in check so inflation doesn't get out of control. If things are kind of falling off the wagon and the wheels are coming off a little bit, then of course they're going to lower rates to try to maintain some kind of economic progress out there. But you know, as the markets are concerned, technically you say, should the Fed Reserve be concerned about that? The reality is, no, they shouldn't. But if you take a look at the last six to nearly 10 years, the reason we've kept interest rates so low with some sluggish growth is because the Federal Reserve has been peeking over at the market, not wanting to derail that either.
0: Always good to look at what's happening in the news, and we will do that every other week when we release new podcasts here on Retirement Matters. All right, Michael, it's time to answer a question in the mailbag. So we dig in and get a good one here from Amanda, who writes in from Crystal Lake. By the way, if you'd like to submit a question, just go to crystallaketax.com. .com to submit questions to Michael and the team. Amanda says I'm going to be 60 next year. I feel in pretty good shape with a couple of 401k's, two pensions and a Roth IRA. I want to retire at 62. My husband, who's 2 years younger, thinks he's going to have to work until he dies because he never really saved for retirement. How do you handle a retirement plan when a couple's savings are way out of whack like ours?
1: Well, Amanda, that's not an uncommon scenario at all. Uh, typically one spouse has earned more than another, or one spouse has a retirement plan at work or maybe the other hadn't. And in some cases, one spouse has pretty much everything, like it sounds like in Amanda's case here where you know perhaps the the husband or you know perhaps even Amanda in some cases, have stayed home, raised the kids or took care of you know an aging parent or something. Another thing that comes into play would be social security benefits. As well as the due to the varied income, and and I think you, she said that there was like a two year age difference too. Now, how we handle this in our practice is when most of the assets are in one of the spouses' names, or even the income is tilted to one side or the other, we assess usually about three different things. The first thing that comes to mind, and you know, it's a very sensitive topic, but is the relationship in a good place? You know, are we planning for a lifetime as a couple, or you know, are there some issues out there? Because really, what we do with those assets and how they're positioned, you know, that could actually come into play differently for each one of the spouses. Secondly, assuming the relationship is solid, we work through building what I call a comprehensive retirement income plan, and that's where we treat all the assets, the savings, the income, the Social Security benefits as a household regardless of whose name it's in. This lets us really build a retirement income plan that takes into account all the resources that this couple's going to need and what they have at their disposal. So it's positioned towards achieving the goals as a couple that they want over time, regardless of whether it's in Amanda's name or her husband's name we just build a plan that accommodates that and the third thing is and it's really a third concern it comes back to that two-year age difference so regardless of when amanda decides to take social security and retire her husband who's two years younger is going to be two years behind her before he's even eligible for social security you know so how do we bridge that gap if they decide to re- retire at a similar amount of time really the bottom line here is that All couples have various moving financial parts, you know, their own retirement plans, savings, when they qualify for Social Security, maybe a pension on the side but you know my role or the role of an advisor really is just to tie all those things together and kind of co-design a retirement income plan that's going to give them the quality of life and you know from a retirement standpoint that's going to provide the the quality and dignity that they deserve and basically what they've worked their whole life for you know and that's what we do on a daily basis
0: a lot of people fall into that situation Amanda where things are a little out of whack but I'm sure it's very comforting for her Michael to know that A lot of people go through this situation. I'm sure you get that all the time. It doesn't have to be this exact situation, but someone comes in thinking that the problem they're having is very unique and they kind of feel like they're maybe left on an island – and then you're able to kind of tell them, nope, I've seen this many, many times before. You're not in a boat alone on this. Lots of other people have shared that experience.
1: Absolutely. You know, I tell our clients we I live vicariously through them. So the, <laughs> although this may be their first trip at the conference table or talking about retirement or you know entering into it, I vicariously, you know, walk down this path with clients for the last 20 years. So I understand exactly what their concerns are, their needs, and you know, and, and how, how they can get to where they're trying to.
0: If you have a question for Michael and you want it to be featured on Retirement matters. You can go to CrystalLakeTax.com to get in touch that way. But you know, we don't have to feature your question here on the show either. If you want to just ask a, a private question to Michael, set up a time to meet to go over maybe your situation, you can always do that as well through the website, CrystalLakeTax.com. Or you can call Mike directly at 815 526 3092. Again, that's 815 526 3092. All right. Time to move on to our financial resolutions for the new year, Michael. And, you know, this is, uh, you know, you have probably failed at your, you know, early 2018 resolution. So now's your chance to make some new ones to get the rest of the year started off right. We've got three new resolutions that you can make. So number one is going to be to stop paying too much fees inside your portfolio. Why is that a good resolution to make here? And as I won't say the beginning of the year, Michael, but as we've gotten into 2018?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, from my experience, the two biggest determinants of your long-term investment success... Are really have less to do with stocks and bonds. It really has, the first thing is, how do you react in good markets and bad? You know, more behavioral. You know, did you not sell out at the bottom or did you not try to do too much at the top and get greedy? That's one thing. But the second one is investment fees. You know, I call them the silent thief because most people don't know what they're paying. They think that they know. But, you know, I, I always joke with clients that, you know, uh, when I show them what the actual fees that they're paying, not only to their broker, but also internally within their investments, they're like, where was that? I never knew that. And I say, oh, it's on page 498 in Bible print of the prospectus that nobody ever reads. And they, and they chuckle, but the reality is nobody reads those things, you know? and But that's where the attorneys will bury all the fees. Let me give you two examples. So on one is, you know, typically a lot of individuals now are moving towards what you call managed account or where you have an assets under management fee, you're paying a flat fee to your advisor advisor, broker. But then what most advisors or brokers are doing now is, you know, they're charging you one, one and a half percent, whatever the industry standard is, everybody's a little bit different, but in the same ballpark, is that then they take that money and give it out to a mutual fund or some other third party manager who charges you an additional half to one and a half percent on top of the one percent that your asset under management fee that you're paying, you know, the advisor. Why that's a little bit of a concern is most clients aren't aware of the fact that that other internal fee, that extra, let's average it off at 1% fee, is on top of their broker fee. So on their statement, they say, hey, I'm only paying 1%, when in reality, they might be paying one5 to 2.5%. I've even seen it as high as 3 So in most cases, I ask the prospective client that are unknowingly paying that 2 to 3% fees is, what are you getting for it? Is the advisor getting his 1% because he's a holistic planner giving you estate planning, financial planning, some tax guidance to reduce your taxes? Or is he really just getting paid that extra 1% to hold the door to give it to some other money manager? You know, and then when they think about it that way, they really start thinking back, and it's even how we constructed our practice by bringing in estate planning and bringing in the tax prep and all those things, is really you want to know what each of those hands are doing, not just pay a fee to somebody who's just going to give the money management to someone else. So, folks, you got to know what you're paying in fees because that comes out of your return. If your investments earn 10, but you're paying 2% in fees, it's 8% net by the time it gets to you. If it's down 10%, you know, things roll over, it's down 10 will add another 2% in fees to that year down 12. So it's critically important that you understand that. The a second example would be in, you know, from a product standpoint, there are no bad products out there, it's how they're sold and are they appropriate for you, but we've seen these things called variable annuities and you know, they're not bad, but the oftentimes they're missold because the advisor hasn't really gone through all the real fees inside them. So when we break it down with clients, it will show them that they're paying three to 4% internal fees and they didn't think they were paying anything or they thought you know eh, maybe half percent one percent but the problem with that is if you have a conservative portfolio that you're just trying to earn six seven eight percent kind of stay ahead of the game on but you're paying three to four percent internally you know clients sit here they've had an investment in an up market for six seven years and are saying you know it's not going anywhere why isn't it going anywhere And when i show them the fees that they're paying You know, everybody's getting, you know, the the analogy I use is imagine in line, you've got the insurance company in line, you've got the broker in line, and then you're third in line. But by the time it gets to you, there's very little there, you know, and that's all just critically important as far as understanding the internal fees that you're going to pay, you know. So the homework is you got to know what fees, both seen and unseen, that you're paying, but also if you're paying an advisory management fee, what are you actually getting for it? Are you getting advice? That's the advisory component.
0: I think those are great tips, great little points to uh, to kind of peel out of this discussion. And especially when it comes to making resolutions, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're doing that in January, February, July, August, November, <laughs> you know, anywhere across the spectrum at any point in time, that's a great resolution to make. Stop paying too much fees inside your portfolio. And it's a really good kind of breakdown by you there, Michael, as to why that's such an important thing to do. Obviously, if you can accomplish that resolution and make it in February, do that instead of waiting until the fall or later on this year. Try to make that step and take that action now. Financial resolution number two for you would be to stop taking too much risk. Why is that such a, you know, a hot button item and something that people might want to resolve to do?
1: This one's a big one for me. And, and the main reason, especially coming off some of the recent market performance that we've seen is, uh, you know, people forget that markets go down just as well as they go up. So, you know, when everything's going up, everyone's in love with their with their market-based investments but then when there's not a lot of volatility or a lot of not not some big negative days every now and then people kind of get complacent and they forget and they're more focused on you know the FOMO the fear of missing out on the next 5% of the upside even if that might make them risk 20% on the downside so the risk aspect is huge for me and I tell clients all the time that your portfolio isn't a reflection of trying to keep up with some arbitrary index or your brother-in-law or your neighbor you know it's not a contest out there what you need to do, it needs to be a reflection of what you need. You know, What does your family need? You don't chase returns because that's gambling. What you're looking for, and you know, it's what we've done in the book Purpose-Based Investing, is really assign a goal and a purpose to why we're invested a specific way. So as an example, if, if we need 5%, let's take enough risk and invest in things that with a high degree of certainty are going to get us that desired return. There's no reason to take you know, a significant amount of risk to get 10, 15% if that's not the type of return that we need if we can't stomach the downside. And, you know, another thing that we'll do is if for clients that maybe need a little bit higher return are looking for 8 and 10% over time, okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's just have that discussion on what gets us there while also having the conversation on the potential drawbacks. You know, we're, if we're taking too much risk, our 401k can become a 201k overnight. You know, So that's one of the, if we're comfortable in understanding of that, that's fine. Unfortunately, most people aren't aware of how much risk they actually have in their portfolio. We use a software where we input their current portfolio at our first meeting, and it shows a client's within about a 95% probability on, based on historical returns of in any six month period. What should your expectation, both up and down, be? And if we're comfortable with that range, great, then we're properly allocated. If we don't like the amount of upside that's high probability or the downside's just a little bit too much to stomach, then you know we need to have a discussion about a risk reduction going on there. You know, so let's have the discussion on expectations in good markets and bad. And then if they're comfortable with the results, then that's great. But most of our clients, You know they're within five or ten years of retirement or they're already in retirement and they want to preserve what they have and get reasonable growth over time they aren't looking for home runs you know they want singles that are just going to get them through retirement with less stress and not having to sweat over what's going on every day with stock markets and interest rates and that's where the purpose and the goals should drive the portfolio and that's how much risk that you take there so so there's a correlation between those two And, and unfortunately you know within our industry and unfortunately what happens is You know, a lot of brokers and advisors want to talk to you and tout how great their portfolio is in up markets, but they're not really taking into account what the risk level or comfort level is for somebody that's in and near in retirement.
0: So again, to recap, two financial resolutions that you can make here in the new year, if you're, you know, have failed on a few of yours and you're looking to, you know, add a couple more to try out (laughs) for the rest of the year, stop paying too much in fees, stop taking too much risk. And last but not least, pick a retirement date. If you think you have a financial plan and it doesn't identify a retirement date, it's probably not a complete plan, is it, Michael?
1: Oh, not at not all. I mean, there's a there's a quote from Alice in Wonderland that's, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. <laughs> yeah,
0: and exactly. unfortunately,
1: that's where a lot of individuals are as far as a retirement planning. It's imperative that they sit clients down with the, their advisor or us or you know whoever or sit down with husband and wife at a kitchen table if you don't have an advisor and define what they actually want. Many people approach retirement, they just throw money at it. You know, this throw money in a bucket, whether that bucket's 401k, a bank account, an IRA, whatever it is, and it's something for some time later, you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. But the reality is that creeps up on you. So they haven't really given any thought to what their goals are, or what they're saving for. And many times they're in direct conflict the way that they're saving isn't tax efficient, or it's in direct conflict with what they're actually trying to do. I know at our first visit, I often ask, okay, ideally, what would you like to retire? You know, when would you like to retire? What does retirement look like to you? What are you doing in retirement? Are you traveling, golfing, volunteering, spending time with the grandkids? You know, where are you living? Are you still here? Do You've got a second home, or you a snowbird, or going someplace else, because it allows them to begin to visualize, which many times they haven't. You know, as they've approached retirement, they've been doing a great job of saving, but they really haven't tied it to anything. So, you know, most advisors just want to get straight to the chase and say, "Hey, look at this brochure and this mountain chart goes up a hundred years," and talk about performance. But what clients need is an advisor that actually identifies what their ideal retirement looks like for them. you know, And a big part of that is picking that retirement date. I know for our practice, we don't even talk investments until the second or third meeting because what we're trying to do is find, okay, what are your goals? What are we trying to accomplish? What's your income needs in retirement? Are we positioned currently to get there? You know, the investments, and in, you know, I go up on the whiteboard with our clients and kind of put their whole financial life up there. And there's just one small, very important, but one small piece that actually involves the investment side of it. Everything else is, what are our income sources? How much risk do we want to take? What are our debts? What's our other income sources? We take a look of all those factors, and the investments are only part of that equation. You know, And that's a true advisory relationship. You know, So it's, what do we need our money to do for you? So investments are the means to an end. They're the vehicle to get there, not the end in itself. And I think if you start with picking that retirement date and kind of reverse engineering, you know can i get there doing what i'm doing right now or do i need to tweak that along the way that's where the value of that relationship comes in you know so the resolution really is not only just to pick retirement date but attach goals timelines and income expectations to that date as well otherwise How do you know if you're
0: on track or not? Great points. And if you need help along the way, if you need help accomplishing some of those resolutions, because you can resolve to do those things, but if you don't know how to do it on your own, well, then you might need some assistance to help make sure that you're on the right track, to be that resource that can nudge you in the right direction and, and challenge you at times to say, hey, you're taking way too much risk, or you've got all these fees soaking up so much energy and power from your portfolio, you really need to do something. About that, Michael Stewart and his team, of course, at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial can help keep you on that right track and make sure, most importantly, you're keeping in mind that you want purpose-based investment decisions. That's why he called his book, Purpose-Based Investing, The Nine Lessons to Rescue Your Retirement from Wall Street. And we appreciate you helping us go down that path today, Michael, and for all the great information. If you'd like to reach Michael, you can do that by calling 815 526 3092. That's 815-526-3092. And we're always online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Lots of great information and resources there on the website as well. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast, and we will talk to you again next time right back here on Retirement Matters.
2: you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation, and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof.